welcome to the first installment of Mind and Morals with me, your host, Jonah. On today's show, we'll discuss a couple of topics in the realms of psychology with a discussion between. Psychology, or the study of the human mind and its functions, has always been an interest of mine. I always wanted to know the simple questions like, why do people do the things they do? Why are some people more prone to do certain things than others? Why do people hate people they know nothing about? All questions we will look to answer in today's episode. Today's first topic is going to be prejudice and discrimination. Hate, disgust, and feelings of superiority are all indications of a central issue. Prejudice. Okay, let's start by defining the difference between prejudice and discrimination. A person may be prejudiced, therefore they hate, feel disgust, or have feelings of superiority over someone uh, based on a characteristic of theirs, but they might not discriminate against them. So you can be prejudiced without discrimination, but you cannot discriminate without prejudice. So the it's one way or the other. Not all prejudice leads to discrimination, but all discrimination roots from prejudice. So there are a couple of main types of prejudice. There's obviously racial prejudice, which has been around for as long as races have interacted with each other for as long as history has been a thing. There's age, there's gender, um, with, of course, uh, there's a patriarchy, there's, you know, uh, it's just a problem in today's culture. There's ethnicity, like ethnic uh, cleansings, like I know gypsies in Europe had that problem, like they're, uh, the different areas, I don't know if gypsies is the right word, so don't don't say that. I, I think it would be... Um, something of that nature, ethnicity, like I know I'm Jewish myself, which is an ethnicity, and uh, anti-Semitism is a big problem in the Jewish community. There is class, like uh, upper class, middle class, lower class, which has recently been sparked in controversy. And lastly, nationality, like I know a conflict going on in the world right now is Pakistan versus India. They have had large conflicts, as well as China. Pakistan, India, and China aren't really in a great relationship right now. So there's that kind of thing. Now, they have a couple of explanations for prejudice. The first one being uh, authoritarian persona uh, personality. So authoritarian personality such as the Nazi regime's Hitler, um, he influenced the people of Germany, at least half the population, to feel some sort of prejudice against the uh, certain ethnicities in the area of Germany and Poland and all other conquered territories or annexed territories uh, that came from the beginning of the Second World War, pre-declaration of war. Now the second is realistic conflict theory, which just states that if people are in conflict, there's war, there's competition for resources or land, then they will naturally begin to have some sort of prejudice towards the other group. Now, this has been proven with some experiments. They did a ton of experiments with children. You could argue the ethics of that. But they have found the same thing over and over again. When people are pitted against each other, they will develop prejudice. Now, there's stereotyping. Over a long period of time, things can build, be built to just be true about a certain race or ethnicity or class that aren't necessarily true. But because they have been reinforced and reinforced and reinforced, they are just known and they are accepted. Um, fourth, social identity theory is just that some people identify socially um, with a certain identity. Like, let's just say Southerners, some Southerners identify with the Confederacy. It's their social heritage, it's their cultural heritage. Um, but inexplicably by doing that, they tie themselves to some sort of prejudice. Although they might not say they do, it's prejudice towards racism, obviously, and towards other things as well. And the fifth, less accepted and newer explanation, is conformity. So when you're in a group of people and they all hate 
or discriminate or have prejudice towards a certain group of people. You are naturally more inclined to go with the flow and have that same prejudice and discrimination. Now, let's go move on to the discussion. Uh, hello, uh, welcome to the discussion part of this the segment of this show. Uh, please welcome Ben. Ben, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm uh, Ben Glick. I'm a junior currently, and I'm happy to be here. Oh, I, I, we're grateful to be, for you to be here. It's uh, it a hard get, getting the time for you to be here, right? <laughs> Such a busy schedule. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so do you have any just, uh, have you experienced prejudice before just from a place of like ignorance or just from one of the four explanations from prejudice? I don't think I can say I, I personally directly experienced prejudice. I think, you know, I, I see, you know, prejudice against Jewish people, which I am one of, but I don't think I've had to directly go through any, um, prejudice scenarios or i don't think it directly affected me in any way which i'm fortunate to um what do you think is the uh most uh what do you think is the best explanation or the most common explanation for prejudice in today's world i think prejudice is honestly just like the most concise definition is just having a negative belief of someone based on a group they belong to well, do you believe it's just like ignorance? Do you believe it's actual malice, like in the part of the person? Oh, um, I, I think I think it's definitely ignorance. I don't think anyone's like I choose to be na- to be uh, like racist or prejudiced. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I can agree with that. But wouldn't you think like uh, some people have it in their cultural identity just to despise another uh, people in some way, shape, I mean, or form? I, I do, but I I do think that's also ignorance. I, I don't think that they are that way because they, they choose to be that way. I think it's because that's what they've grown up on. Um, so you think there's room to change if they're educated? like? Yeah, no, I think if they're educated, there's definitely room to change and uh, enough. I mean, some people are so ingrained in it, maybe not, but I, I don't think it's like just someone is like going out of their way to choose to be prejudiced. I, I, I'd like to believe that. Um, well, I talked about many types of prejudice in the segment beforehand, like race, age, gender, ethnicity, class, or nationality. Uh, which type of prejudice do you think is most harmful in today's world? Um, I want to say race, just because of how many people it affects and how severe the effects are. You know, you have, like, hate crimes, and I, I guess religious is another somewhat big one, but I do think race is the biggest. Um, I, I, I know that class has also been a big issue recently, just between the upper 1% and the rest of the, uh, the population. Do you think that's going to escalate, like, the prejudice between the upper class looking down on the lower class and the hatred from the lower class against the upper class is just going to accelerate? I, I do think that, and I think, honestly, part of it is just the political component, which is accelerating that. Uh, you know, income and, and uh, uh, class is almost becoming politicized. I think a little bit. So I think that's definitely going to accelerate the prejudice that is there. I think that prejudice will definitely accelerate. I can agree it's becoming politicized, but it's kind of, do you think it's interesting that like the, the two extremes of the spectrum, the ultra rich and the pretty, the pretty poor, both kind of side conservative, even though it's against their economic interests. I do. And I, I think that's kind of because of the interesting way, you know, we've formed our politics, which is like, you have to, 
like your your party represents maybe half of your beliefs. So you know, poor Americans may side with like the you know conservative uh, regulations or other components of you know the Republican Party, and then the rich people are anti them getting taxed or heavily regulated for their business. I do think it's very interesting, though. Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of um, the poor population, or at least some of the poor population, like I know poor white populations are. Um, they're fearful. They have prejudice against immigrants. And so the party that's been very anti-immigrant has been the conservative party, the Republican party. And the, like, it just seems to me that that plays a pretty big role. Would you agree? Oh, a hundred percent. You see like Tucker Carlson go on TV and, and say, you know, trans people are scary and want to take your, um, steal your significant other from you or, you know, the immigrants are going to come in and steal your jobs. Like, it, yeah, I, I yeah. think that's a big Going. component of the far right. Yeah. Um, do you think, like, uh, prejudice is some of the, is one of the biggest dangers to, like, modern day society? Like, besides, like, land, land grabbing isn't as big of an issue. Um, just, I won't say that uh, there's, uh, there, there isn't other stuff, but do you think that prejudice is the leading cause of conflict today? I think, I think probably. I don't think many, con- I don't think many, you know, like on a macro scale, countries are like, I want, like, just doing things for land. I mean, that that's part of it, but a lot of it is about superiority and the belief that other people, like, or, you know, other entities are lesser. So you have that on macro scale. And on, on a, like, macro scale in the US, it's just like, that's, I think, our biggest problem. We have like so many facets of, I think racism is the biggest type of prejudice in the U.S. Like impact-wise, you have like severe like hate crimes, but you also have widespread mass incarceration, police brutality, all of which are a massive systematic form of prejudice. Yeah. Um, also, like uh, I, I'd, I'd like to say that you know, uh, prejudice has kind of been thrown out of the popular light and is kind of looked upon negatively in society. Um, by at least the majority of the people. Um, would you agree to that, or do you think we're kind of regressing and going back to uh, a less uh, I, PC I, time? I, I think I, I half agree with you in the sense that I don't think anyone... I, I think we've progressed into a society of subtle... Uh, um, uh, subtle... Uh, prejudice? Prejudice. Subtle yeah. prejudice, in which like, you know, like people exhibit their prejudice and and portray it in, in more subtle ways so they're not going to openly say okay well some will but most will not openly say i'm racist or i don't like these people or but but they will you know endorse policies that are are prejudiced or they will you know have ideas or rationale that are prejudiced like they i, I think it's a i so don't you, think I, so I don't so you think it's like right. ingrained it's systemic you think like they try I, and ingrain it into the system so it's less noticeable yeah, I I don't think people are willing to be as open about their prejudice now. I think it is a very subtle prejudice. Do you think there's any reason for that? Like, do you think maybe the advent of social media and uh, I, I I hate talking about it, but cancel culture, um, because it's such a hot button political issue nowadays. Apparently, um, do you think that has anything to do with it, or do you think it's something else entirely? I I want to say it's a big part of it. I think that more people, uh. The, the people who speak out against prejudice are more vocal and have more influence than they used to. Like, I, I think that in, in previous times, like you, there was very, very little punishment for being openly prejudiced. Um, you know, and 
centuries or decades even past. And I think now, you know, not only is there cancel culture, but, you know, just the people who are, I guess, anti-prejudice are more, are more vocal and through things like social media are able to have more influence. Yeah, you just, I agree. There's a lot more, uh, I guess I can say liberal activism than, uh, than conservative activism nowadays. Um, right. And uh, just to uh, tie us off, um, do you think, like, any particular thing would be the most useful towards, like, uh, eliminating prejudice in someone's worldview? Like, do you think it's best to actually just sit them down and educate them on things or have their humanize the people that they have prejudice against? Like, what uh, do you think is the best way for that? I think, honestly, there's, like, a, a two-pongs to this answer, I guess, which is, one, education. But B, like, foc- I think we need to focus our, our, our education on the subject on the youth because a lot of people just have prejudice ingrained in them and you know they're not going to change their mind so i think that focusing like making sure that people growing up don't get this ingrained into them is the most valuable thing we can do because some people are kind of a lost cause unfortunately well that's kind of a, a shift of a statement from what you said earlier um you kind of said that you think it comes from a place of ignorance so oh, I, I do think it comes from a place of ignorance but i think that ignorance there are people where that ignorance has been come ingrained um, to the point where they're not choosing to be racist, but it it's going to be hard or impossible to convince them that their worldview is not an accurate worldview. It's just kind of like they're the the old excuse of like they're in, ingrained in their ways, they ain't going to change kind of thing. Right. I I don't think it's necessarily malice, but I do think that it it might be. Um, almost permanent for some people. Yeah, I, I, I can see where you're coming from there. Well, uh, thanks for uh, coming on. We uh, I enjoyed our, our little talk. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. Thanks, uh, yeah. Um, well, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you in the next segment. Uh, thank you. The second topic of today's show will be persuasion. Now, first... What is persuasion? The key elements of persuasion are that it involves a deliberate attempt to influence others. People are not coerced. They are instead free to choose through self-persuasion. Persuasive messages are transmitted in a variety of ways, multi-mediums. Persuasion is symbolic, utilizing words, images, sounds, or other forms of communication. So, now that we know what persuasion is, how is it different today than it used to be? Well, persuasion has been around and been a field of study and interest since the time of the ancient Greeks, but there are significant differences between how persuasion used to be taught and how it happens today. Uh, there are five major ways in which modern persuasion differs from the past. First, big companies, big businesses are trying to persuade you to buy their products, or hire firms that persuade you to buy their products. Um, Many businesses are reliant on this persuasion to make ends meet and sell goods and services. Also, persuasion is more common, uh, not common, common today. You will find it in many advertisements you encounter on a daily basis. The average U.S. adult is exposed to a large number of advertisements each day. They're getting more complex. There are more arguments, and they're more diverse, and there are more choices. 
so people have uh, are a lot savvier when it comes to selecting their persuasive medium or devices. Um, there is it's more subtle. You can influence people without directly having to have a intellectual conversation with them. It also travels much more rapidly. There's television, there's radio, there's the internet. All of these spread persuasive messages instantaneously with the click of a button. Now there are some key persuasive techniques that you can use in your everyday life and also things you can learn to avoid so you don't fall victim to these things. You see the ultimate goal of persuasion is convinced the person or target to internalize their persuasive argument and adopt the new attitude as part of their belief system. Now first you can create a need. So you just appeal to a pre-existing need or create a new need that this person may need to have. So it could be anything from a need for shelter, like say, I'll give you, you give me this, I'll house you for a day. Love, self-esteem, self-actualization. That's, you just create or tailor your needs to these specific circumstances or look how to avoid getting caught in that trap. You can appeal to social needs, like uh, if you, a television commercial for instance, social needs. Um, say like, uh, this product's trying to sell to you. You'll get all your friends. You'll get a lot more friends if you buy this product. That's appealing to your social needs. Um, next, you have to get your foot uh, get your foot in the door, or someone might try to get their foot in the door. So you often uh, give them a very small request, or ask them to purchase a very small item, followed by a much bigger request. Like someone might ask to borrow your pen, and then ask to borrow your car. See, you gave them the pen, which leads you more likely to then give them your car for a period of time. So then, or you can do the opposite and go big and then small. If you want a smaller favor, you can ask them to do a big thing, like how sit my cat for the weekend. And if they don't do that, it's like, hey, can you open this jar for me? It, it works. It's asking them for a small thing after a big thing. They feel obligated to help you at that point. So then you could also utilize the power of reciprocity. Um, when you do someone a favor, you feel an obligation to uh, get something back, and vice versa. This is the norm of reciprocity. So it's a uh, it's kind of a social obligation to do something for someone else because they did something for you. It's why people may feel uncomfortable receiving gifts because it creates this kind of dynamic of reciprocity. You see, they might do the same thing for you, like they might offer you a free service and then offer you a paid service and you feel like you have to ask, uh, accept it because they already did you a favor. Uh, and you're doing them a favor by giving them work. You could also create the anchor point in a conversation. You have the power to define where the conversation starts. You have a power to decide where a negotiation starts. You just have to be strong and push forward with it. Also, lastly, limit your availability. You can make it feel like you're very busy. You can make people feel like they're wasting your time. As long as they feel like they're getting something that might not avail be available for very long, or vice versa, if you want to avoid getting this trick, it's make sure you know that things are not too good to be true. Boom, 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 boom. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mind and Morals. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me. Um, if you have any comments, please feel free to give me those constructive criticism. Uh, please feel free to listen to episodes in the future. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Goodbye.